Hey listeners, welcome back to the Hitting Rock Metal podcast. I'm your host, Sally Holder. I am so glad you're here to listen to an entrepreneur that I have come to know because she was a speaker at our recent Brim conference and she did an outstanding job and I knew all of our listeners of the podcast needed to hear from her. Her name is Courtney Folk. She is one of the owners and founders of Renewal Logistics, which is an Atlanta-based e-commerce fulfillment and third-party logistics company. They have a specialty in apparel and consumer goods and how they came about that specialty is a really fun story that I know she will share with us. She founded this company with her husband, Brian, and the duo sought to support the world's largest retailers with above and beyond solutions that hone in on the details. This approach has helped them grow into a leading 3PL right, third-party logistics company, providing flexible and scalable on-demand solutions for when in-house fulfillment is outgrown. Courtney's built this company with the help of an amazing team, and she is going to share some of her top tips to help you guys be able to do the same. So I know you will help me in welcoming Courtney. I am so glad you're here. Hi, Sally. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. So if you could, to kick us off, tell us about Renewal Logistics and how you started this incredible company. I think your story of starting is just a fantastic one about the power of saying yes and figuring out the rest after the fact. So I am so excited to be able to turn it over to you, Courtney, and really share with our listeners the power of you know, a pivot in the entrepreneurial world and being able to take the knowledge that you had in one company and expand and apply it to this new company that you started. Um, You have always embraced the power of yes, and it is a big part of your story. So tell us a little bit about your creation of the company Renewal Logistics. Okay, great. Um, so I'll start with, I'll just give you kind of a background on where, where we began and, and then I'll get to, you know, where we are now and explain a little bit more about Renewal Logistics. Um, but I'll just give you a quick version of Renewal Logistics. We are a fulfillment um, warehouse and we also offer third-party logistics services. And so what that means is for a brand that is trying to handle distribution and fulfillment in-house, Um, you know, at a certain point, it usually becomes pretty difficult to manage that. And a brand can all of a sudden be consumed by its operation uh, rather than focusing on its clients and building its, its presence. Um, So, you know, we help with that. My gosh. Yeah. I see a lot of companies (laughs) struggling with that these days. Um, It's so true. Yeah. It's a, it's a hard thing, um, you know, and actually 90% of uh, Fortune 500 companies outsource all of their warehousing and fulfillment services for that reason, because it's just, it's really hard. Um, what a great stat to know. I think that so many of us are automatically assume that the big brands are doing it all themselves, right? We create this strange version of success and think that we have to have, you know, 75 employees doing all of the these logistical things and we don't. 
Yeah, that's so true. So it's kind of like when you start hiring managers and you um, you start trusting your managers to do other things. Um, as a like vendors for large companies, you really are just basically an extension of their company. So it's it's like kind of if you were to ever use a, a temp agency for um, sourcing a few employees here or there. Well, you know we're an agency for these companies. So whenever they have a project that's just too large for their building, or they just, it's something that's not a part of their core business. We basically act like they're employees, but it's instead of just one employee, like a temp worker, we have a team of employees that we're, that we're supporting them. And so that's, that's kind of how large companies, I mean, they, they outsource almost everything in their business. So they, you know, um, they outsource their their operations for warehousing. They they have agencies for their branding. They have agencies for their accounting, like all parts of the puzzle. They 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 bring in partners all around. And and so yeah, you're right. I think a lot of people do expect that you know having 75 employees and and doing it all yourself is important. But I think it's a lot easier to scale if you the sooner you start building processes to where you can peel pieces off and giving it to someone else, the faster you can grow your company. So. And, and the, the, with less risk too. Absolutely. I mean, being an asset for the growing entrepreneurs that are listening, you know, that are in our audience, I, I can't thank you enough for being that for so many of them, because it is the way to be able to grow. And, um, you know, I, I think oftentimes, you know, we don't know what we don't know. Um, and many times we don't know that a company like yours even exists, right? That could be such an asset. Um, so how did you guys realize that logistics was something that you wanted to do? <laughs> That's a great question. Um, and I think your first question, I don't think I gave a solid answer for that. So let me tell you about, let me tell you about how we got to where we are. So yeah, totally my uh, fault. I have so many questions. No, I love no. what you guys do. So I jump um, in there and just start interrupting. So yes, tell us your story. <laughs> um, so Brian and I, my husband and I, um, we got engaged in 2003 and the next day I went to work and I, I told my boss that I was leaving my job and I was going to go work for the family business which was a very small dry cleaning operation. They had like four retail dry cleaning stores in Columbia, South Carolina. And um, I came on board to help them grow the business. And so quickly after I started, it was obvious that there was a vertical that we had not necessarily acknowledged in the past, which is helping customers who've had house fires in their home um, get their lives back together. And, and so how we did that is we restored clothing and fabric items for customers who had fires. So we, we basically started in a retail business where an average order per customer was like two or three items. And then we jumped to where an average order per customer was like 400 items per customer. And, um, and that's there one second for everybody yeah. listening, because that is so critical, right? You took all of the equipment, the assets, everything that you already had. And you said, are we solving all of the customer's problems that they're experiencing to our maximum capability? I imagine that this was kind of your question as you expanded that vertical, as you said, um, into a new vertical, and realized, wow, they're experiencing a lot of other problems that we could solve using everything that we have right now and be able to really increase our revenue, which is the dream of any entrepreneur and the question that all of us should be asking ourselves. So I just wanted to make sure that 
I pointed out that really fantastic question that evolved into this next phase of business for you guys. Yeah, I mean, you're exactly right. I mean, we looked at, you know, how how can we use the same equipment and people that we have now to support a larger operation? Um, and, you know, and how can we make a difference in people's lives? And and so, you know, we, we had a great career in that insurance restoration space. We still own that company. It's called um, Textile Restorations. We actually are rebranding right now to Renew. And um, the rebrand is because we're also cleaning electronics now. And we're actually the largest dry cleaning restoration company in the U.S. that's independent. So not a franchise. And, um, and then getting into the logistics space was an interesting story. We had, we had a client who called or a person who called us. He was a factory representative in Asia. Um, and he had 300,000 pairs of jeans that he had sold to a distributor here in the U.S., and the distributor was going to be selling all of those, turning them right around to one of the big box wholesalers. And um, on the way from um, from Asia to here, the items actually became moldy. Um, in Asia, there's a rainy season, and so a lot of goods that get packed when it's during the rainy season can end up having a mold issue as they come into the U.S. And so they didn't have any solution for restoring these items, and this uh, distributor was going to lose this wholesaler's account if they didn't find a solution, and then the orders had to ship within two weeks. And so they asked us, can you clean 300,000 pairs of jeans? And we're like, we sure can. And then um, they said, well, it's got to be in two weeks. And we were like, oh my Lord, is this possible? If it's possible, we're going to do it. And so we said, yes, we can do it. And, and we did it. Um, and uh, we ended up finishing two days early. We had to scale out just to give you another kind of statistic. I like statistics. Um, prior to this project, our average day's volume in our cleaning facilities was probably like 2,500 units. Um, and then when this project hit, we had to get to 27,000 units, um, be producing 27,000 units every day for two weeks to be able to get these volumes that this customer needed um, complete. And so we actually finished two days early and um, they were scared to death about chargebacks because who was this company that was handling these items for them? And um, they had zero chargebacks, which was a feat as far as they were concerned. And, um, and then, you know, coming through for that account launched us into this, into the, you know, 3PL space that we're in now. And now we work with a lot, like we work with some of the largest apparel brands um, that are out there, Tommy Hilfiger, Calvin Klein, Tory Burch, Ralph Lauren, um, you know, tons of other brands, Carter's. Um, and it's all been word of mouth. Our business has been hundred percent word of mouth up until this year. That is so incredible, Courtney. I mean, I love the evolution, right? And I'm always talking to business owners about the thread that exists. And to me, the real thread that I see is that you're always continuing to um, challenge yourself, look for new opportunities, ways to solve problems. And that has really allowed your business to expand in massive ways. You were saying yes, rather than saying no, um, saying yes and figuring it out along the way. Um, And it it is exactly what entrepreneurs everywhere need to hear is that 
you know, you can ultimately figure it out, right? I always say where there's a will, there's a way. And, mm-hmm. um, and you guys certainly exemplify that. So Thank today, you. tell me how many employees do you have at Renewal? Um, our company right now has about right under 100 full-time employees. And then we have another two to 300 temp workers um, that just depending on the day's volume, we will have in our facility. So quite a lot. <laughs> <laughs> that is a lot. And how long on average have they been with you, those employees? Um, well, that's a good question. Well, you know, we've grown a lot. So we've added, like, for instance, this year, we've added 15 new employees that we didn't have last year. So, you know, some of them are don't have quite the tenure, but um, over the course of our, you know, I've got plant managers and um, operations people within my company that have been here for 15 years or longer. And most of the, the like the people that, that Brian and I relate with, so like the, the upper level folks um, have been with us five to seven to eight years. You know, I think an average is probably four or five years for most of our team. Which when I found that out in just our casual conversation of you and I getting to know each other, I was astonished because the average length of time that an employee stays today within a company is 18 months. And in fact, that figure is going down (laughs) each and every day. So probably by the time this podcast airs, it will have creeped down even a bit more. So Mm -hmm. you're doing something right to create the longevity of the relationships between yourself and your employees, you know, what actions have you taken to really be, have you found that are kind of critical um, for helping those employees stay engaged, excited, and continuing to face all of the challenges that come up in a business and, and that, you know, they want to be there and face the challenges along with you? Man, that's a great question. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll say that, you know, it's not easy. So um, it's it's definitely not easy to keep people engaged at this point and to hold on to good people. But we, we kind of say, and we kind of set the stage in the very beginning. We tell people, you know, if you're good and you lie and you, you fit with the team, we're going to hold on to you with a de- death grip. We're never going to let you go. <laughs> and, I love that. I love that. <laughs> and it's really true. I mean, it doesn't matter, you know, like, so, and I guess the way we do that is we, you know, we just build relationships with our people. Like our company, I, I, we've always looked at it like, you know, I came from a sales role where it was just total burnout. It was just, you know, you're turn and burn people and things weren't fair with their compensation structure. And it just, I just knew I was like, you know, I'm never going to put my people through that type of type of scenario. If I, if I ever become an owner of a company, I'm going to run things very differently than the way this company does. And this was a fortune 500 company that I was working with at the time or working for at the time. Um, So I think that's one thing I think, you know, just really making sure that your compensation plan is fair and, um, and making sure that, you're hearing your people, um, you're providing tools for them. Like people come, you know, people know that they can come to me with any type of a question, any type of an issue, and I'm going to listen. And if I can solve it, then I will. If I can put a tool or a training or education or whatever is needed in place, I will. If I can't, then I'll tell them why. And so I think having a very, you know, open um, atmosphere and attitude is important. 
And I also think that hiring the right people is just so important. And like what I mean by that is just being very intentional. I, I, and I, even since I um, spoke at your conference, this has been something that I have been making sure that I'm even enforcing more so in my company, but like, it's so easy to just hire a warm body to fill a role. And you think that's the only way you're going to be able to grow is because you have to be able to like service whatever the issue is for that day. But the reality is um, Elon Musk said one time that you should have group interviews with any high level people. And if one person in the room that's interviewing that candidate has a single reservation, you shouldn't hire that person. And, and I think that is so true. So we have very defined ideas of like what the right type of person is for a fit that's in our company in terms of personality and work style. And, um, and we are very, very selective about who we bring on. I am so glad that you still say that you are selective. I think the feedback I'm getting from, you know, so many business owners that are attempting to grow right now is um, it's almost as though they're repeating the rhetoric on the news that it's so hard to hire. It's so hard to hire. But oftentimes when I ask them about the steps that they've actually taken, they've been very minimal. And I do think, I firmly believe that the right people are out there looking for the right role and that the two of you can be matched up if you do the work and you're willing to, um, you know, consistently look for great talent. Uh, it seems as though you definitely agree. I do. And I think that the talent thing, so, I mean, definitely we're using different tools than we were before. We're, I mean, our recruiting budget is probably double this year what it was last year. So we're, we're using recruiters a lot more. Um, I'm listening to presentations once or twice a month on new strategies for hiring and recruiting. I heard the other day that the job ad that we're all posting was actually developed in 1931 during the Great Depression. And it was um, it was set and it was created to exclude people from, you know, because there were so many people that needed work. And um, and so like just really rethinking the whole structure for how how you're going about it. It's not anymore in order to work for me, you have to have these qualifications. Now it's how do you attract people? How do you how do you make them from an emotional standpoint excited about the opportunity to work for you? And and there's vision in that, you know, you have to have like your, you have to be excited about your own company, but I think there's really, there's got to be a good method for, for creating that compelling, um, you know, hook. Are you running your business like a marathon at sprint speed, but never getting anywhere? Take back control of your business with the BRIMS Revenue Accelerator Program and let expert business coach Sally Holder run alongside you each step of the way. Our new program provides you the tools, strategies, and support you need to increase your revenue and create impactful growth. To get started earning more in considerably less time, follow us on Instagram at The Brim. That's T-H-E underscore B-R-I-M-M. And direct message us revenue to find out if this is the right fit for you and your business. It's so true. It's a collaborative effort. And... I mean, that's a perfect example of you putting in the work and continuing to stay on top of, you know, hiring. And obviously, when you're at this entrepreneurial level, when you're serving as the CEO, I would imagine, you know, staffing and hiring is a big part of what you do. Um, 
I imagine you're capable of staying on top of this because you are not the doer of all things, that you have become an excellent delegator of other day-to-day actions. Could you kind of share with our listeners a little bit about, you know, what helped you make the switch from focusing on the day-to-day and kind of being the doer of all things to really owning that CEO role more? Because I, I know so many of our listeners are looking to do that. Yeah, you know, for us, um, I mean, I think I told you the story when I was at your conference. My son, when he was born, had seizures and um, he was in the hospital a lot for the first year of his life. And so Brian and I, my husband and I, we had been, you know, every day we were in the business. I was traveling to Tennessee. I was going here. I was going there. We we're doing sales calls. We we're making sure it was working. We we're listening to the customer service reps. Well, when Jack ended up in the hospital, it was like we were there one day and then a light switch turned off and we weren't there anymore. We were completely out, completely absent. And so thankfully we had this amazing team that we had already developed and they just kind of saw what we were going through and knew that, you know, um, they, that we needed them and they stepped up and made it happen without us. And, And it was just, to me, it was remarkable to see how capable people were. And I never had given them really credit to be that capable before. You know, I never released the power to let people really do what they could do. And it just showed me how how little we actually needed to do in the operation side to keep the business running. I think that was that was one really big thing. And And I'll tell you something else I heard recently, another speaker, I like to listen to speakers a lot, um, but another speaker said, anything you do for your business as a CEO makes your business weaker. And um, that was like a lightning bolt, you know, it was like a light switch or like a, you know, a light bulb went off in my head when I heard that. And, and I don't think delegating is necessarily easy. um, But for me, I look for anything that's repetitive in my business. I am, um, going to try to figure out who I can hand that off to. And, and I'm always kind of documenting processes. So like, how did I go about getting this account? What questions did this account ask me um, in the sales process? And, um, you know, and even though our company's older, it's like 18 years that we've been in business, we're always kind of in startup mode in certain areas. So we always have like a startup mode division where we're going into a new vertical or we're doing, you know, something different and new. And, and anytime that happens, I'm kind of the one or, or my husband's the one who kind of goes where no one has gone before. So, you know, a lot of the people who are listening to your podcast probably aren't going to be able to delegate everything, but start small and start with things that are repetitive and things that don't bring you joy, you know? Absolutely. I mean, I think no matter where you are right now, even if you don't have anyone else on your team, I love that tip about, looking at the consistent actions you're taking over and over and documenting them, making note of exactly what you're doing. And so much of the process, even of evolving um, your business, increasing efficiencies, cutting costs, being able to grow happens um, through hindsight and the ability to look back and say, oh, that's why I took that action or you know, this is the part of the process that did not work. Let's remove that and do something different next time so that we're not constantly repeating the same actions over and over and getting the same results. So, you know, I think just as you said, even if you're not delegating, it is still so critical for the overall growth and your ability to get to the point where you can delegate something. Mm -hmm. 
Absolutely. Um, so what actions then are your priorities really on a daily basis? Obviously you said, you know, the growth and looking at new verticals. Is there anything else that you say, you know, I want to have this, uh, you know, in my camp, I want to be responsible for this. Yeah. So, um, well, the way Brian and I are structured, I mean, we are, we're a husband wife team and we are very, very integrated together. Um, and, So, you know, I handle strategic, he handles tactical. So he handles day-to-day operations. He handles dealing with a lot of the execution of the projects that we're doing. I handle the pillars of the business. So the marketing and sales, the HR operations, the finance operations, um, he handles operational operations. And then there's another one, but I can't remember what it is. (laughs) Um, I guess maybe the business management side, like the billing and all of that. But so I, I oversee those things and, um, and on a daily basis, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm looking at my milestones. We have, I don't know if you use the, the EOS system. There's a lot of different systems out there, but they're all basically the same. You, you create your goals and then you work back from your goals and then you check to make sure your goals are being hit by milestones periodically. Mm -hmm. I spend a lot of my time um, helping develop those milestones for people and determining what they are and, and then pushing people across the finish line with those, not pushing in a bad way, but facilitating what else you have to have in order to, to meet this goal. Um, Yeah. Posing the right, half the battle is posing the right questions mm -hmm. to continue to get them to have the thought process versus us doing it for them as the owner. Yeah, absolutely. Oh my gosh. Yes. And you have to, and that's good. It goes back to hiring. You have to find people who really can, you really do trust them. Like when I was speaking at your conference, but there's three things I look for in people that I think um, are just, if you find these three things, you're going to be successful. It's number one, do you trust them? And trust, I mean like 90% trust. I mean, you, you're never, probably not going to trust anybody hundred percent in your business, but do you really trust someone really, really well in your business? Um, number two, when they're in that role doing their job, do you feel relief by by having them there? Um, and and then the third thing is, are they putting in discretionary effort? And I think, you know, for me, that is that those three things right there are almost like our values. I mean, they're not exactly our core values, but I think about that like, are we providing that to our customers? Are we providing our are we tr- are we trustworthy? Are we providing relief? Are we pr- producing discretionary effort for our clients? Same for our clients. Are they giving us that back in return? And then also for our employees. And then how is our management team responding to our employees? So I think those three things are just like key, you know, key takeaways for anyone who's trying to hire um, and trying to manage. I am obsessed with those, Courtney. I mean, I obviously you guys are hearing a theme as well. We have incredible speakers at our conferences. So when we announce the next one, you guys get on that. Um, But I I loved it when you shared then, and I still love it even more now. Um, They are three really critical things and they're so unique. I don't think that I've ever heard anyone say those three together, um, but it really sums up exactly what we are all looking for and what we need in someone to transform our organization. You can have other people who are there who are doers, but they don't help you get the transformation that you're actually looking for when you add that salary and add that individual to the team. Um, 
if it doesn't make your life easier, then no, it is it is not working. So good. Um, so now I'll switch gears for just a minute. And um, I want to talk specifically about how, you know, renewal as a 3PL can help some of the companies that really are struggling with their growing pains and feeling, you know, this overwhelming push to maybe the ramp up production or distribution, and they're just not exactly sure how they're going to tackle it. You know, something that I talk so much about is the fact that I truly believe the six-figure business is oftentimes more difficult to manage and run day-to-day than a seven-figure business because you're Mm -hmm. still doing it all. And um, so that therefore the thought of getting to seven figures seems like it would just be more of the same. And it is not, it is infinitely better because oh, yeah. you're able to use um, parties like yourself to assist in things like the logistics and distribution. So if you could just kind of describe how you can help them, um, you know, even if they're a relatively small company. Yeah, sure. Um, And actually, this is something that's kind of new. So we've been learning from our customers for the last eight years. And, and we feel like we're finally at a point to where we can turn around and give back to art to to other people. And for me, I'm very passionate about helping small businesses, especially small businesses that are run by women. Because I'll be honest, when I first started in business, I don't know that I could have done it without my husband, you know, and that's 18 years ago. People are much more empowered now. But like, to me, I just want to be well, I mean, let's just start the fact that in 1988, not long ago, and you and I were pretty close to being in business at that point, but 1988, we would have had to have our husband's co-sign on the loan in order to even start a business, right? The oh, law. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So we're not very far removed from oh my gosh. a requirement <laughs> for a loan to even have. That is insane. I had no idea. Yeah. That's the kind of stuff that could make you kind of mad if you if you would sit on yeah. it too long, but I'm just going to move on. <laughs> yep, yep. So. Um, but so when, what was your question again? Um, oh, <laughs> um, renewal. Just, yeah, how renewal can really help um, some of our smaller entrepreneurs in their growth journey, um, you know, with the growing pains. And I was specifically saying that those that are at six figures are really struggling to keep up with distribution and demand and shipping and all the things, you know, at what point do they begin to delegate that out to you guys? Where do you all come in in helping those um, businesses with growing pains? You know, when can they begin to partner with you? When does it make sense? That sort of stuff. Okay, great. Um, so yeah, so we are we we switched our model about two years ago from working only with really large companies to where now we do fulfillment for small and medium-sized brands as well. And, um, you know, the best time to start working with a 3PL, whether it's me or any other one, is um, when you notice that 20% of your time is going to fulfillment. When you are just, you know, always spending your time or you've got an employee, the thing is that you don't want to do is you don't want to build out this huge operations, you know, system and then have to try to switch gears. And then what are you going to do with all those people that you have in place for that? So, like, the sooner you do it, the better. Um, because you're going to one day want to offload all of that 
it's it's almost like a fact like i was saying 90 percent of fortune 500 companies do it um it is just there's so many details and what happens is and i was actually talking to your sister about this recently um as you grow your operations continue to grow with you so you have to constantly be evolving your operations and so you know, it just makes sense to start with a company who has a lot of experience with big brands, because then, you know, doing some, something for a small brand, that's easy. But as they grow, as that brand scales, we already know that path for, for the efficiency and the happy path to make sure that they're, you know, if they have a velocity swing, all of the units are going to get hit. Like, let's say that you get on, um, there's all these websites where people's products can get on them, like cheapdeals.com or something like that, you know, zip deals, all these ones. And let's say your product gets on there and you're on Amazon and you sell a thousand overnight. Like, what are you going to do? You know, what are you going to do if you're doing it yourself? You're not going to be able to, to manage that. But if you're not doing it yourself and you have a vendor that can help you, then all of a sudden, if that's still on the Amazon platform where you're doing the sales, your SEO for that product, just your ranking goes up, like you have the opportunity then to sell a lot more. So, you know, we we really are looking for brands that are really motivated to grow, that need help. Um figuring out how to scale their operations and who are, they're great at the sales side. So let us be great for them on the operation side. Um, and, you know, I don't think that there's really like a minimum, but there is, you know, there is an onboarding process. So, um, you know, if someone's interested, all they have to do is give me a call and we can figure out if they're a fit or not. But, you know, we do a lot to help them too, as far as we're doing, we've got an in-house photography team to be able to take product listings and, um, so we really want to make the process of, you know, growing a brand, we want to make it really fun for people. We want to be that relief to, to someone who is just really struggling with that, filling the operations or, or, or drowning them. And it's not what they want to do. It's not what, what they enjoy doing, if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, what a great point to make as well. I mean, you've spent 18 years refining your processes in logistics And we don't need to reinvent the wheel as entrepreneurs. You know, I heard it said very recently um, that, you know, unfortunately, we were taught for our entire youth that um, asking for help was a negative, right? That um, because you needed to do your own paper and produce your own, you know, uh, book report and all of those things and that you didn't need to ask for help and that you know, collaborating with others was not a great thing. Um, You needed to get your own result. And so much of business is the exact opposite. It's about asking who, not how, right? Not how can I get this done myself, but who can help me do this or who knows more than I do. And the faster we can make that transition as entrepreneurs, the faster, you know, we can grow and say, okay, who knows more? Well, clearly you guys do, right? A a logistics partner that has 18 years of experience rather than me beginning from ground zero and having to learn it all myself, not to mention, you know, there are only really five ways to dramatically increase your revenue and efficiency is one of them. So if you can get your product out the door in the hands of your customers faster, guess what that means? It means that not only are you decreasing the amount of time and therefore probably money um, that it's taking to get that product out the door, but you're also able to sell them something else 
faster, right? In a shorter right length of time, um, which is just another way to increase your revenue. So it opens up the door to all different kinds of possibilities. Um, and it's, it really is just such a smart choice. Um, I would agree with that. And I would also say, you know, like if you think about it, so like we've been doing this for a while, we know how to, we know every time someone moves their arm, how many cents that's going to cause us, cost us in our building, you know, every second of labor, what does that equate to in terms of pennies for us? That's, that's where we're operating from a, um, like a finance standpoint. And so like a lot of people, whenever they're doing packing their goods, um, you think about how much time you're spending and your, your employees are spending, it's probably not that dialed in. So we're probably going to be cheaper on the handling of those things than it is for, 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 you know, for, for a brand um, to try to do it in-house. And then secondly, the shipping cost is um, for sure. We have economies of scale there where other people, um, you know, if you're a brand new brand or a young brand um, and you're not moving a ton of volume, we, we would be able to save a lot for them in, in terms of shipping costs. So true, right? Leverage someone else's contacts so that you can cut those costs. That That is just another point. What, what a great way of thinking about it. Um, so I'm curious, uh, something I'm always, you know, wanting to know why renewal and not someone else in this space, really what sets you guys apart? That's a great question. I mean, there's a lot of great companies that do what we do. So I'm not going to say we're the only one, we're the, you know, the only one that's out there. Um, but I think that we take a, a very different approach with our clients. Like I always say sales is very, very simple. It's, listening to a client very closely and then just giving them what they're asking for. I mean, it really is that simple. And so, you know, but I don't think people do take the time to listen anymore. And I don't think, think people necessarily take the time to really think through what that solution is going to look for, look like. And so a lot of the companies that are out there that are 3PLs, they kind of have a package and a plan and you have to fit within their systems. So like for instance, there's, there's one that, you know, they'll only have six SKUs. You can only have six SKUs in their building, you know? So a lot of times there are different, different requirements that these companies have that you have to fit. So you're going to fit in their box. They're not going to fit in yours. And I think that we're kind of the opposite of that. We've always just been very, you know, customer centric. And, um, and it comes back to, you know, like we spent the first, you know, 13 years of our career in the insurance restoration world. And we picked that vertical because we were helping people. So I think for us, it's all about helping people. It's helping people grow their business. And for me, my business is going to grow if their business is going to grow. So what do we have to do to get them as quick as possible from point A to point B? And what, what resources can we leverage and knowledge can we leverage to help them? So, you know, again, I think there are plenty of really great companies that are out there, um, and, you know, we are, we're not one to where if, you know, if price is the central, central point that someone's looking for, we, we're probably not going to be the, we're not going to win on price every time. Um, but we do win on value. You know, we're going to bring more value than anyone else is going to bring. That's kind of our, our goal anyway. Whether we accomplish that every time, I don't know. But, uh, you know, we're, we're definitely trying. Hey, it's progress, not perfection. And you guys I love that attitude. I love the value add perspective that you have. And certainly I know that you guys are accomplishing that for so many small business owners, many of which were at um, the Brem conference who are excited to know about you and be able to work with you guys. So thrilled um, about that. So what's one tip that you want to be able to leave everyone with today? 
visualize your best employee and write down everything that you love about them. Okay. That's what I would say. Such a good tip. Yeah. <laughs> write down everything that you love about them so that you can begin to look for those characteristics in the next person that you hire. Yeah, for sure. hundred percent. Um, Thank you, Courtney. This was so good. So enlightening. I know um, our listeners are going to benefit a tremendous amount. Hopefully it's going to open up their eyes about talent and acquiring great talent, hiring great people, keeping great people, and, and certainly about being able to create some stellar partnerships with companies like yours. I highly advise all of you listening to if logistics or distribution, shipping, all of those lovely words are in your um, company's day-to-day actions, then reach out to Courtney. You know, let's always make an informed decision versus an uninformed one. Um, Figure out if they are a fit for you. And just by having a conversation, I know um, that it is always going to, to help you have more information. So thank you for taking the time to be here, Courtney. I am honored that you spent your time, your most valuable resource with us. So I appreciate you. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. And I, um, anytime, I absolutely love it. And I thought your conference was amazing and I got a tremendous amount of value out of it. So I know all of your listeners will too, if they come back and um, certainly your training, your um, coaching as well. Well, thank you so much. I hope you guys will check out Courtney Folk at Renewal Logistics. You can find them on the web or Courtney, can they follow you on social media anywhere? Yep. Renewal Logistics. um, It's at Renewal Logistics and at Courtney Davis Folk. Perfect. Thank you guys for joining us on the Hitting Rock Middle podcast. I'm your host, Sally Holder. I hope this made your business just a little bit better. 